welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken time to be with us today for what is going to be uh, a really uh, entertaining and uh, informative show. I'm excited because I've got a rare opportunity to have my guests live and in person with me uh, today. Rather than over the phone, I'm up in Clearfield County, Pennsylvania, uh, doing an opening weekend turkey hunt here with the Bearded Buck, and they've got a great group of folks, and two of the people that are hunting with me here uh, this weekend uh, are Roy uh, Baroner from That's right. PA Rut Report and Back 40 Premium Wildlife Forage, and Rob Gray from PA Rut Report. So, Hello. Roy, Rob. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Some people might say the second best radio voice they've ever heard. <laughs> well, I know so I've got... Your, your, your introduction was... Flawless. I've got a face for radio. I know that. So podcasting, you know, is right up my alley. Hand in hand. The candor is the pace, the the energy behind it. It's very good. I'm impressed. Well, I appreciate it. Made a couple couple assumptions, though, at the the very beginning, but that's all right. This will will be extremely entertaining. I set the expectations, and you guys now now have to live up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, put up or shut up, okay? Um, you know, it's been kind of a stupid, crazy spring, if you even want to call it that, not only here in Pennsylvania, but around most of the country. I mean, today is Sunday, the 29th of April. So yesterday was opening day, went out and hunted turkeys. It was cold yesterday oh, yeah. morning. Oh, it was yeah. definitely cold. And when we got up this morning, it was snowing. It was snowing, yeah. yeah. Mother Nature's not been uh, very thoughtful <laughs> in relation to how she's been treating us. You took a look at, take a look at our space and what we try to do throughout the year is feed information to people that's relevant to what's going on this time of the year in the outdoors, especially in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, there's five or six topics that we, sh- by all means, should be talking about right now in the, in the swing of things that have yet to come because we're still getting snowed on in the morning mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so, you know, with the turkeys, they're definitely not doing a lot of the things that we'd like them to be doing right now. I know, you know, even just as recently as within the last week or so, people were still seeing big groups, you know, yeah. kind of like winter flocks and uh so birds are probably still, you know, kind of dispersing, breaking up. I would say, you know, most of the time here, we figure by halfway through the season, most of the hens have bred. You know, maybe it's going to be a little easier. Those gobblers are going to be on their own looking for love. I mean, who knows, you know, what's going to happen with breeding yeah, this yeah, spring. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of everything. Um, we talk about foliage, just the amount of foliage on the trees now versus the standard time of year that you're hunting in the woods right now has an effect on the way birds move and what you see out there. It's just a strange, crappy, very... Oh, it, yeah, it's totally barren season. in yeah. the woods. You, yeah, you can see you can <laughs> see for 200 yards if you're in mature timber, mm-hmm. you know? It's, yeah. So it's crazy. And, and, you know, another thing... And I understand, Roy, that you're a bit of a, a expert forager. Um, you know, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I'm pretty good at it. And, and you know, I've <laughs> actually got a buddy back at the office. He's a morel freak. Yep. You know, and this should be the time that the morels are coming. They are coming. They're growing real slow this year because of the cold weather. But uh, I found, I think, five so far. And they were the size of my fingernail. Just Babies. tiny little things. Babies. And last year at this time, I had hundreds and thousands of them. So That's why this time last year. So the good news is, right, if I get this posted here in the next <laughs> few days. You might be able to hit it. For, yeah, for everyone who's listening, right, you, yeah. you've, you've still got time to get oh, out there. Oh, definitely. In Pennsylvania, North, like Virginia, up, uh, you got another three weeks probably, three weeks to a month you can pick them. So, so where they're, they're picking them already down south pretty heavily. So let's talk right. about let's talk about it because I, I know, you know, for a lot of turkey hunters, that's kind of like the, the, the double bonus, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you, you get, a, you get your bird and find a bunch of morels <laughs> while you're out there and then you got a, a 
really, you know, kicking dinner, yep, you know? Yep, yep. So what are, what are some tips, Roy, for, you know, where to find morels that you have like some, some sort of common threads that you've um, over the They're years? in the woods. Yeah, yeah, I usually don't tell too many tips out on finding <laughs> They're in the woods, man. The main thing I do is uh, you got to learn your trees. I mean, el- elm trees is the number one tree in Pennsylvania that morels will grow on. I mean, they also grow on cherry trees, poplar trees, old apple trees, live ash trees. But like all the ash trees we have now in Pennsylvania are dying right. off because yeah. of the bugs. We, you know, that emerald ash border we had. And all the elms are starting to disappear too because of the Dutch elms disease. So, I mean, elm trees are your best. You find dying or dead elms, look around the root systems of them is where they grow. They come off the root systems of the tree when the tree dies. Gotcha. And, and the season on those typically goes um, for about, about three weeks. Three weeks. About three weeks. All depending on weather. I mean, right. So once they start, though, about once three they weeks. start, you need to rain every so often. You need, if you don't get rain, once they start, it's not a very good year. And how long do they stay? Fresh. I mean, you have to kind of get them. You got to like, get them like on top. You got to be on top of them. I mean, you yeah. can check. You can check one area one day and go back two days later, and there'll be hundreds of mushrooms there. You might go back uh, a few way. If you you might miss it. A lot of times you miss it, and you'll go in. And they're all dried up and or rotten. And yeah, they get a little yeah. tough when they dry up. Yeah, yeah. Or a lot of them will rot too sometimes before you even get to them. But it's just <laughs> it's putting a lot of a lot of legwork in yeah. is what it is. Walking, I walk and walk and walk yeah. and. <laughs> that's, that's put put the time in out in the woods and learn your trees. That's the biggest thing. I always tell everybody learn your trees. Mushrooms, and, mushrooms too, just by default get a bad rap. A lot of me personally you asked me to eat a mushroom from the age of five on. Just no. pizza. I'm like, ah, oh, no, no, mushrooms are terrible. <laughs> um, morels, morels like a gateway mushroom kind of. Um, Booger, just cook him on a grill. Yeah, one time, five, six years ago, he's like, "Yeah, try one of these." I'm like, "No, I hate mushrooms." Yeah, you tried them, and sure enough, <laughs> gotta have them now. Oh, they're spectacular! Sure. They are. They they're are absolutely they're spectacular. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, you fry them up, with, you know, with some butter, or some people like to bread them. Bread them, them from, fry yeah. them. I just they're awesome, like with the steak. Yeah, yeah. or anything yeah. like well, that. Well, he gave yeah. he gave me a jar of dried dried. Them. Yeah, I dry all mine, and then I save them. Yeah, so I have morels all year round. Screw the lid of the jar off, take a dried morel out, and eat it. It's like a potato chip. Delicious. Wow. You put them in the dehydrator. Yeah. I dehydrate them in a dehydrator and then whenever I, just, I put them in jars and after they're all dry and you can rehydrate them then in water warm water and they come almost they they swell right back up like uh, you almost picked them and so do you just put them in plain or do you like season them and, and dehydrate them no nah, I just you just put them on the I clean them slice them in half and make sure there's no bugs in them and put them in a dehydrator and dry them until they're crispy like potato chip I'm gonna. I may try that if I'm fortunate <laughs> enough to find some else this spring. So when you turkey hunt, do you actually just carry your shotgun while you go look for mushrooms? And then if you get a bird working, then you sit down and the past the few the past few years, I haven't done much turkey hunting because I'm into the mushrooms so big. Like it's I don't have to. It's like I want to get out in the woods. I don't have time for a turkey. I got to get these mushrooms, mushrooms picked mushrooms before from, somebody else gets them. Yeah, so that's what that's what happens when you get into the gateway mushrooms. It supersedes everything else in your life in the outdoors. But it is definitely morale season. I mean, it's it's time here in the Northeast. It's yeah, absolutely. It's gonna it's gonna blow up here next week. It's I mean, we're thirties now, which is holding them off. But next week's it's supposed to get in the seventies, almost eighty, and they're gonna blow up. Yeah, tomorrow morning we'll be back in the woods, and it's supposed to be in the chilly mid, in the morning. mid chilly in the morning. It'll be around thirty some. Yep. But it's gonna be mid sixties tomorrow. I think by Wednesday it's supposed to be mid seventies and close to eighty maybe yep. later in the yep. week. Yep. So yeah, it's definitely things are gonna pop. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, yeah they're gonna well, pop yeah. up. It's, I'm ready for it. <laughs> Yeah, you mean not just the uh, ecosystem that gets affected by Mother Nature being not or kind to everybody, just the outdoor experience, families, people out of the parks doing stuff like that. I mean, get here to the Bearded Buck. By this time of year, I've probably hammock camped five or six times just because it's nice enough yeah. where you start getting out and start doing stuff. Not used to waking up in the morning in the hammock with snow falling on you. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that Rob slept in a hammock last night outside. Right. 
life changing if you've never slept in a hammock. Yeah, I wasn't too far from him. We were, I was in a tent right next yeah. to him. <laughs> people, are, people are looking at us in the night. You guys, you guys are our sanity. Hardier than I am. I was down, I was in my nice, comfortable bed in the lawn. So. <laughs> um, so listen, another thing that the weather has really impacted, uh, obviously, uh, in addition to the animals, the hunting, um, food plots. Yes. It's yeah. not been really conducive to getting a jump on, you know, all those plans you've been sitting all winter, right? You're cooped yeah. up in the house. You're getting cabin fever. You're like, man, you know, I can't wait to get out there and put in those food plots. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, for you, Roy, you know, you've got a company here in Pennsylvania, you yep. know, you're blending your own food plot seeds and you've got an expertise in that area. Um, you know, what are we looking at? I think, like you said, pretty much from here across the Midwest into the West of, you know, the Dakotas, every, I'd say at least half the country, you know, has had uh, a problem with, you know, just poor, poor weather. So what are we, you know, looking at in terms of timing, you know, for being able to get out and, and, and do plots? I think here in the next few weeks, it's people are going to be able to get their early plots in their clover plots, uh, like alfalfa, chicory, um, it's like I said to you earlier. Last year, I already had fields planted at this time last yeah. year, and this year we get the soil the soil temps only in the 40, 40 degrees, fifty degrees. And what do you and, need for germination? Uh, you want about fifty for different seeds. I mean, you want to be about fifty to sixty degrees for germination on most of your seeds. And it's just the late year. I mean, I'm ready to tear the ground up and get Plus stuff yeah. planted, but it's just like, yep. yeah, so yeah. We've had all this yeah. rain too this that's year. What that's, it's, well, that's it's, it's it's the rain. I mean, you can't. You, yeah. you get one day. You're like, oh, I can get out in the field and do something. Yeah. And oh, well, I'm you, you know, I work a normal job, so I can't do it while I'm working. And then when the weekend rolls around, it's too muddy. Yep. Yeah. And it finally dries out, and then you get rain the next day, and it's muddy again. And, Mother Nature's been a consistent, consistently consistent with the teas this year where it's one day it's 60 degrees and sunny and it's like, yeah, it's what it's supposed to be like. And then the next day it rains. And then the next, there's there's not been a two-day string of nice days in a row, I think. So no, it's spring, been. Which, kill, it's a killer. Yeah, it's definitely been a tease. Yeah. That's a good word yeah. for it. Yeah. So talk a little bit about Back 40 uh, Premium uh, Wildlife Forage. Uh, how, how old's your company? Uh, we are right around a year old right now. I mean, we're this is our first full year, like I don't know how to say it. Uh, well, how'd you so how'd you get into it? You know, obviously uh, you didn't just, just fall out of bed one day and say let's <laughs> let's start a food plot seed. Well, we got my grandfather uh, George Coke Seeders. Uh, he uh, he got a, us into it about I'd say t- ten to twelve years ago. Um, we started out just planting like an acre acre of ground on his farm and then the next year we're two acres and then we're now we're up to 12 acres planting and uh we started blending our own seeds together because i used we used a lot of big name company seeds and it wasn't working real great for us up here in pennsylvania i mean some of the stuff was good some of it wasn't and i started getting my own seed and doing my own blends and testing different clovers of what does good in our fields here in the northeast and stuff and it all started growing awesome for us and everybody all my friends people were looking at our fields and saying you should sell this seed i don't know why you don't sell this and we pondered back and forth about it a little bit and here we are today a year into it trying to you know sell sell food plot seed and and so when you it's going pretty good right now actually for the first year into it. we got a lot of people that are following us and like what we're doing because we're just i mean we're just average people we don't got a lot of money we're just out doing we're using old equipment and anywhere you know back 40 we're on 48 47 acres that's what we called it you know the back 40 and well it's my grandfather's ground his lane's even back 40 yeah back 40 lane where we're at and so anybody can make it work so are, are you guys marketing you know specifically to pennsylvania or is it good for anybody it's good you know, in the northeast or uh, you know sort of on the same uh, you know north south you know latitude that we're on our seed i think i mean i've we sold it already down south and stuff and people have had success with it um specifically i'd say the northeast pennsylvania new york ohio maryland 
Virginia, West Virginia, you know, the, yeah. the northeast section of the sure. states it does. I think it would do better in, but we've had good luck. I mean, I shipped it to Oregon already, and people have had good luck with it out there. So, so what's the difference between, you know, just a sort of a generic seed and of varieties that you would choose, you know, for this area? Just a little more cold tolerant? I'd or? say cold tolerant is what it is, more cold tolerant with the changing weather like we have all the time, that it's hot, cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we might be drought and then loss of moisture. And So how many different products are you guys offering at this point? At this point, we have uh, four blends right now, which is four blends. So what are uh, We have our clover blend. Um, our alfalfa blend, which is alfalfa, chicory, and clover. Alfa, yeah, alfalfa, chicory, and clover. We have a... Uh, a blend we call our, uh, from, named after my uncle, it's Uncle House Fall Blend. And it's uh, forage kale, purple top turnips, canola, and uh, radishes. And it does, it gets knee deep. I mean, it's it's great, like a lot tonnage of food you get off of that plot. And then we have another one, it's called Jungle Blend, and that's uh, sorghum, sunflowers, Lab Lab, cow, peas, and canola. And what that does is the sunflowers and the sorghum grow up tall, and the Lab Lab and the cow peas are climbers, like a vine. They climb up, they use like a lattice type yeah. thing. It grows up thick. I mean, they, they go get eight, 10 feet tall. Wow. It's good cover and high protein food. Let's talk about spring plots and fall plots. You know, I think, again, with the weather, you know, finally turning, you know, hopefully. Knock on wood, <laughs> right? Really, spring yeah. is going to yeah, be I'm here ready. this week. Morning, um, afternoon. People like to get out and plant plots in the spring, but then over the years, it seems like more and more I'm hearing, you know, like if you put in um, a clover plot in the spring, um, you know, that's good to like attract deer and feed deer, but. Um, um, your fall plots, which you're going to plant in August, will be more your killing plots and stuff. Uh, uh, not necessarily. You know, I mean, talk to me about that. Like, do you hunt on a lot of the plots you plant in the spring, or do you hunt on more of the stuff you're planting, like, in August and September? And also, you're just planting different things in the spring versus the fall. So talk to me about, you know, what do you plant in the spring? How does that tie into your hunting strategies? And what do you plant, like, late summer, early fall? and how does that tie in with your hunting strategy? That's a good question, sir. Uh, <laughs> oh, spring planting, it's our, we, we always plant our clover and our alfalfa blend, alfalfa, chicory, and clover, and we plant that in the spring. Um, and believe it or not, we hunt over that a lot in hunting season. We have a big stand overlooking a one-and-a-half-acre field of our alfalfa, chicory, and clover, and it's always, always loaded with deer and turkeys, just nonstop. Um... But a lot of like our plots too, we don't even hunt over the plots. We hunt the woods around the plots and catch the deer going to and from them. You know, it's a lot easier to pattern them in the woods than it is out in the wide open field. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's also really hard to get out of your stand when you're, if you're on the plot. And yeah, and even walking and into your plot in the mornings, you know, there's deer in there feeding yeah. before daylight yeah. and you don't want to go right into that plot and spook them all off. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fall planting, we do, uh, we do a lot of the, our, fall blend our uncle house fall blend we uh it's that forage kale and turnips and radishes it stays it stays green all winter right and it's they really don't hit that till late late once you get a frost on everything because it brings the uh, sugars out of the root systems and puts it into the leaves but it it works phenomenal though it's hot like a tonnage of food for them in the cold months right yeah they really start and they start to dig it up yeah. too once it, it and there's no, nothing left in the woods bro. there's no acorns and there's no greens you know what I mean and they it's concentrate kind of right to them fields and yeah absolutely you can pattern I mean that's a lot of food for the deer I mean we, we plant it and it gets it's amazing you look at it you think there's no way they can eat all that <laughs> and they eat it down to nothing by spring I mean it's Gracious. down to nothing for the average bow hunter who's listening to the show. Maybe they don't really have a lot of ground to work with. You don't need much. They don't have implements. 
if they're like, listen, I, I, I'd love to put in a food plot, you know, maybe just a little something that can improve my hunting, but I have limited time, effort, space, or whatever, what would you recommend? My go-to season for that is clover. You, you can put it in with a rake. Yeah. Go out and rake the leaves off, put a little lime fertilizer down, and broadcast the seed by hand. And I mean, you can do little strips. We do a lot of the long roads, power lines, just little patches of clover, and it does yeah. it does well for us. And it's something you can all you gotta do is mow it, throw a little fertilizer to it. And yeah, and that's in clover. It lasts three to five years. It'll yeah, last if you maintain it. It's a one-time thing. You get it going. It'll, it does tolerate shade too. I mean. You can't, I mean, you have to have sunlight for stuff to grow, yeah. but it'll grow in a semi-shaded area. Yeah. Like in a woods or like a power line where, you know, you've only got sun for a few hours a day. And, but it does, it does really well for us, the clover. That's my number one thing. My number one seed is, well, that's my favorite thing to plant is clover. And the clover, clover will pretty much stay green right up until it gets some a couple hard frosts. It'll right? stay green all winter. All winter really. Oh, yeah. It stays green all winter. Now, it won't grow. So whatever you have there in the winter time you say your feet it's five inches deep you know five inches thick they'll mow that down to the root system I mean just all winter long just mm. keep keep on the turkeys love it in the spring that's what's nice about it's a good for a turkey like for spring gobbler season mm-hmm. that they the young the turkeys like the young leaves coming off the when the clover starts sprout yeah so is is springtime obviously you can you can plant clover in the fall too. You can plant it oh, spring, summer, fall. You can plant it like any time as right? long as you have as long as you have rain. Yeah. Now, how long does it take to establish? You know. Um. Your first year, you'll have a pretty decent stand of clover, but your second year is always the best because it had time to root and spread, spread and you'll get more clover growing the following year, but your second year is always your best year, year for it. Um, I did some clover last year on a logging road, and I planted it in, when did I plant that? I think all, July or August. Might have been it was July or August. I did a planting, did it right before rain. It rained, then we didn't get no rain for like six weeks. I lost every bit of it. I mean, it germinated, but then it didn't have any moisture. Yeah, that's so that's the really hard thing with food plotting because yeah. you put all that time into it, and then if Mother Nature doesn't work with you and give yeah. you some moisture, you'll yeah. lose everything you got. Well, like we discussed, you know, right from the outset today, you were all at the mercy yeah. of Mother Nature's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's the biggest thing with yeah. food plots. I mean, you take your little bit of time and soil samples is another thing you should do. I mean, a lot of people don't do it, but you should check your soil and see what your pH is and your nitrogen and what's in the ground and or even done to organic matter it checks everything and, and then you got to fertilize accordingly fertilize accordingly if, and if your ph is too low it's not neutral is seven and you want it about 6.5 to seven is what you want your ph at. if you have like a four a 4.0 ph with the ph does not I mean, it's an acidic soil you put all that fertilizer down the plant it's your ph ain't right the plant can't uptake the fertilizer so you're just wasting money putting fertilizer down I mean, it's, you got so what do you got a lime? You got a lime, put lime down. And I recommend a lot of people, even if, if you're not going to do a soil sample, put lime down. Do by default. Yeah, yeah, put lime down. I mean, you're definitely it needs it. Put lime down and fertilize. And so you mentioned you're getting you know a pretty good following, and I assume you were probably referring to social media. Social media. Yeah. So how can people you know if they're listening and they want to learn more about Back Forty, uh, where do we find you? We're on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Back Forty Seed Co. And uh, we also have a website. It's Back Forty Seed Co. At Gmail dot com dot com Um. That's the best way I can say right that's now. What, that's <laughs> with the, the, the number 40 spelled F-O-U-R-T-Y. F-O, yeah, F-O. F-O-R-T-Y. F-O-R-T-Y. Yeah. F-O-R-T-Y. F-O-R-T-Y. You like to put the yeah. U in it all the time. my mind. That's my mind. Every single time I say it. But yeah. You didn't win the spelling bee. You know? No, 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 no. I didn't really care. Probably should have cared more than what I did, but here we are. So, you know, so you plant your food plots, okay, and then it's time to hunt, and that's where the other side of this whole operation comes in. Because I can honestly say, you know, of course, 
I mean, I live here in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, so apologies <laughs> for everyone who's listening who doesn't live in Pennsylvania because we're going to talk about the PA yeah. report. But yeah. it is like the Mac Daddy of online hunting communities <laughs> throughout the season, you know? Yes. And Daddy of Mall in Pennsylvania. Basically, PA Rut Report is like this giant online community which in effect serves as a real-time barometer of deer activity throughout the state. And if you want to know, you know, what are the deer doing? You know, are they scraping? Are they rubbing? Are they running does? You know, is anyone seeing breeding activity? Are the big boys starting to move during the daylight? Uh, are we having one of those magical weeks where everyone seems to be tagging big bucks? I mean, you yeah. guys are yeah. like the place to be. Runs a gamut. Runs a gamut. It's um, refreshing in a sense where everybody openly communicates without becoming too much of a know-it-all or a nuisance. So you find um, the rut being one of those things that uh, almost anybody you ask about it gives their own interpretation of it, what influences it, how it, how it runs through their area, moon phases, all that other stuff. Uh, where in reality, all you can truly um, base any determination off is statistics. The data, the data surrounding when deer are actually moving in mass. So what happens on my property versus what happens on Jerry's property versus what happens on Roy's property um, could vary. Not, it won't vary greatly, but it will vary. Times will vary. Uh, activity will vary. What they react to will vary. Um, so through our service, that ability to get a, at minimum get a feel for what's going on and to be able to interact with people to learn how to be more effective at what you do. So, so, so does PA Rep Report exist largely through your Facebook group? Mm -hmm. It is. Um, it was, we, when we started it, kind of started as a joke for all intents and purposes. So we have a group of guys that hunt and have we've been hunting together since we were of age to hunt together where we're moving through the cycles of communication while hunting born into the um, analog side of things where you have no. Walkie talkies. Walkie talkies. It's yeah. like the, the <laughs> mind blowing. You're like, hey, hey, man. Yeah, and, and the guy and your buddy would always call you. Like, you'd literally be Most getting ready to like draw back yeah. on that deer. And they were like, hey, uh, Rob, what are you seeing over there? <laughs> yeah. So we migrate through that phase, which I, I mean, if I could go back in time, I'd probably, that was probably my favorite phase of hunting, the, the walkie-talkie phase. Then you get to the cell phone phase, and not even the smartphone phase, where you're tapping each button three times to spell a word and um, fighting through that as a means of communication, which was a little bit more effective from a, a nuisance-based standpoint than was the walkie-talkie. And now you graduate to where we are now, and we're like, well, we want to be able to communicate with each other without one setting up a group text string, which they can be their own strange animals. Yes. So why don't we start a Facebook page and just have members, and then we can just communicate there like a forum kind of thing. So that's what we did, and um, in the first day and a half, we got... 12,000 or 15,000 likes and it was like yeah, okay. what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to us I guess it makes sense as a as a what some people refer to it as is like a virtual hunting camp for the state of Pennsylvania everybody's the camaraderie the, the like mindedness and the um really ability to feel you're hunting empathetically through other people, even in instances where you're not able to hunt. We get a lot of people that we talk to that are sitting behind their desk watching oh, our yeah. page during the, the I check morning it. hunts. Yeah, and, yeah. I'll see. And it's, and it's really cool because, you know, without giving up, you know, your secret spot, you can just say what unit you're in. And that's good because, yeah. you know, yep. like, again, every state is pretty much divided in units. Yes. I think we've got 22 here yep. in Pennsylvania. So, you know, you know if it's somebody, if it's something local you know it's yeah. like oh man yeah you know, all the, yeah it's, it's, it's funny it's, the 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 sub discussion that happens based off of the master discussion where you're dictating loosely where you're at oh you're in 4b i'm in 4b2 what town you in? 
gets explains off to the right in his comments after comments after comments with that one string or one thread of communication, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool to watch. So when was this that you started this? Oh, four years ago. 13, what year are we in right now? 2013 is 18. Five years ago. 13, 14, yeah, 15, 15 16, right. 17. This will be your sixth. Yeah. This is going to be your sixth yeah. year season. Yeah. Coming I didn't know. And so, so how many followers Fast do you guys have now? Uh, <laughs> we're around 30,000 right now. Okay. And it is the nature of... Well, social communication changes more more than most people know if you're not in it and you don't live it um, it's it becomes more and more restrictive the more and more people have access to stuff which when we first started why we were getting so many likes so fast was once somebody liked it all of their friends saw that they liked it they all liked it and it was kind of an exponential growth through that type of manner because everybody saw everything now it's to a point where 15 or 20 percent of the reach that we had when we first started is what we'd have to play with now yeah yeah which you can influence that type of stuff and that's part of well, what face, facebook wants you to spend oh, yeah. money oh, yeah. <laughs> money you yes. can boost and as much, <laughs> as much as i despise that i can't blame them they are a business you gotta i mean you gotta make money um but we could have a whole episode just on the Facebook algorithm. That's true. Yeah. And how much havoc that wreaks for everybody. And nobody would listen. Every every yeah. time they change, basically change the rules on how you, mm. what you have to do to play in their sandbox. Flipping it up for you, which is uh, unfortunate, but it's the nature of what you have to deal with. And kind of as as we've grown into what it is that we are right now, um, try to take ourselves as um, non-serious as we can. We're pretty much happy-go-lucky every day kind of guys. What happens, happens, and we're glad that everybody else who shares the uh, space with us is that same way. It's more of a uh, pleasure for me to be able to sit down behind the computer and run this stuff than it is. People are like, oh, thanks for putting in that way. It's like, no, it's not work when you get to that point of... Um, camaraderie and passion and stuff like that. It's, yes. It's, yeah. So, so let's, you know, let's take this to, uh, to a practical level, mm -hmm. right. For a bow hunter, uh, you know, especially here in Pennsylvania, but maybe anywhere again in this general region, mm -hmm. what is the value other than seeing pictures of some nice deer and, you know, uh, you know, there's actually a lot of there's, like information that you can sort of glean by, by paying attention to yeah, what's going on. Yeah, on your there's, there's literal to the tangible value. And then there's a lot of base, base values. If you start at a base value, it's just energy and motivation really is what I, most people say they get out of it where you are sitting in your stand and you haven't seen anything for 45 minutes. The fact that pop six that or seven people are popping up and the yep. deer moving, you're like, okay, it's going to happen for me. Whether it does or not, you still feel it's it's a adrenaline yeah. booster at its basic level. But then you look at the um, knowledge that you gain from that type of an atmosphere, where as long as people are doing things cohesively, which people have a tendency to do, you can get a lot of different opinions that are all very viable, and it usually boils down to one or two um effective most effective or proper answers to questions or like you're saying when 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 should i be in my stand i'm gonna i'm gonna take three weeks of vacation at the end of archery season and i'll roll some of that maybe into rifle season when should i take that time off am i better off to take it on a friday and monday or should i take it on a tuesday wednesday and thursday and what do you really have to base that off of um predictions that you can get uh, out there. They talk about moon phases. They talk about the, the genetics by the biography of the way all this, all the influencers out there, which a lot of that stuff's relevant. I don't, I won't um, rag on any of it. Uh, it's, but it is very subjective in regards to how you absorb it and act upon it. With our stuff, it's like I said, going back to the data side of it, if 150 people are out in the woods and 100 of those people are starting to see deer move at 9 o'clock and of those deer moving at 9 o'clock or those 100 hunters, 45 of them have tanks still and heat out in front of them it boils down to being able to see uh, based off of live data what's going on in the woods around you which you can't say 150 yards from you but 
we can get narrowed down pretty close. Yeah. I, I tell you what I think is, is cool is that, you know, there's so many – well, there's so much out there. You yes. know what I mean? On social yes. media. And a lot of it is driven by manufacturers. Yes. And I'm not here to knock anybody. Okay, but I'm just saying, you know, so much of what you see related to hunting that's, you know, online is yes. has a profit motivation behind it. Yes. And you guys, you know, we discussed this last night. So, you know, I, I know basically, you know, you sell a few hats and mm-hmm. T-shirts. Yep, yep. You, you know, you guys aren't. No, we're not, not doing this to make money. We, You're doing this. This is a yeah, labor yeah. of love, we, largely. Yeah, we, it just it, it happened in, it, during a time of life for all of us that was kind of ideal. It where where we we are past the right fresh graduated from college. Got to get out there. Got to make that money. Got to have my own type of thing. We lived in a couple different business spaces and have done things where. Um, this is this is not a money. The money is not a driver, nor should it ever be in this type of a instance. Should be able to share uh, tradition and passion, and continue to strengthen what it is. Why we're sitting at this table talking about what we're talking about right now. Um, if we don't adjust, if we don't change the way that stuff's put out in front of people, that will eventually be those that are sitting in the woods and continuing the tradition. Um, we don't change the pace, change the relevancy, change the flavor, and change when it gets delivered, uh, it will dry up faster than what it is right now in that regard. So, Well, I, I will tell you, you know, I, I have to confess to checking it, you know, on my smartphone while I'm in the stand. I do, too. And I, I, tell, you, it's, yeah. I tell you that it kind of pisses me off sometimes because I'll get on there and I'll see, like, a post from, like, 10 minutes ago, like, because, uh, okay, I'm in 4C. Okay, so I'll see a post. You know, 4C, you know, had, like, you know, 37 does pass me already and then two big Big buck, you know, and I'm like, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I'm in four C. I didn't see nothing. This is this is bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of that. You get a lot of that. Um, But again, that goes back to motivation. In the long run, it's it it makes you want to pay that much more attention. But then you look at the opposite side of the coin. Like you say, I'm guilty. I'm pseudo running this stuff while it's going while I'm out there hunting and. I try to communicate with people if they direct message us. I try to like stuff just to keep momentum going. And I'm sitting there for 45, 50 minutes at a clip looking at my phone. And you got to wonder. How many deer walk by? When you're actually, yeah, when you're actually like 100% (laughs) non-distracted and you're looking out into the forest and you see just one quick flick of white, the tail, you see a tail 45, 50 yards. I mean, that may be the only time you see that deer ever in your entire hunting career. How many deer move past you because you are subsequently looking down your phone? At the same time, um, again, we hunted, I've I've hunted in the digital and I've hunted in the analog side of things. And back in the walkie-talkie days, back in the no non-communication days, this wasn't there. You didn't have to absorb. You, you weren't constantly looking at something and you could pay attention. And my old man is a good instance of all you do all day is sit up there on your cell phone. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is all I do. I mean, I'm out there. I'm out there. And for me, I don't need it. I do it because it's fun while it's out there. But for the longevity of the sport, these kids nowadays, you need it. You have to. This has to be part of, as unfortunate as it is, it's has part to be part oh. of our... <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, and this is a whole other discussion, but... I mean, I use my phone up in the tree, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. It it helps the time, you know, the slow times to pass a lot better. And it's great to be able to check in with your buddies. Mm -hmm. We're just like, you know, one thing I enjoy, and again, you know, I mean, okay, I'm a magazine editor, and I have come from a journalism background, but I like keeping up with the news. And, like, if it's slow and I get in my stand in the morning, um, I like to sit there and, like, read the news and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll do that. And and it's nice. 
nice to be able to, you know, do that rather than just, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we all, right. We love nature. We appreciate the sunrise and, you know, the squirrels running around and all that. But five, five to six hours sit is that very much a five to six hour sit when you're staying, when you're in a tree stand and your max movement is shifting of your trunk maybe 45, 50 degrees and maybe your shoulders 90 degrees and maybe your head 180. You're not walking around. You're not doing anything. It can wear on you. It's short. Yep. Now, you guys are both avid bow hunters. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I'm going to I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm not going to tell you my opinion <laughs> until afterwards. <laughs> Don't stunt our answers. Um, when, do you, when do you think is the best time to be in the woods in Pennsylvania? If you had to give me your opinion on when should I – if I only had one week, when would I take my vacation? My answer could be semi-bi. I'll, I'll let Roy go first because he's untainted by Christian's opinion. Opinion, but you and I happened to talk about this last night. I I take if I can. I used to take off the last two weeks of archery, two weeks straight and hunt. The last two weeks, then now I just take off. I take the last week off. Yeah, and that's my my opinion. That's my the yeah. time to hunt. I think. Yeah. The last you, week. yeah. So you can look and at. You're talking about the second week in November, basically. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Second week. Although in this November. year it falls weird. My, my opinion, this year the season me, ends on the tenth of yes. November. I would really like to hunt like the week after, after archery yeah. season goes out. Part of yes, part of what we were. Talking That's about. what I would love to hunt the week well, after. Yeah, the week yes. after that. <laughs> we were talking about trading and bartering last night in relation to that that question. And for me. Um, this is one of the beauties about hunting is it's very subjective in nature where you hunt where I hunt where he hunts where she hunts it's all a little bit different it follows on along the same wavelength but it's all a little bit different so for me I've seen the majority of the big, big deer on the property that I hunt regularly the first three days of archery season I see more large deer because they're still in their travel patterns and they're still moving around in that area where yeah. I am. Now, I'm in yep. a high travel area. They don't typically come in and bed. They don't do anything but move through there and graze every now and then. So, for me, that type of a setup, that type of year is good because they're continuing to move through there without being hesitant. That being said, I mean, traditionally, the last week of archery season is the best. And Halloween on really is when stuff Things starts start to up. at least start picking up. Yeah. And you see, there's you get a mixed, mixed opinion of whether the full rut is actually ever really on in archery season, during archery season. So almost always. Every year is different, though. It changes every yes. year. Yeah. But it's almost always. But from a biological standpoint, uh, that's different than from a hunting standpoint. Yes. Because from a biological standpoint, if you're going to say full rut, is basically you're going to say peak breeding. Um, you don't necessarily even need that, that in the yes. archery season because what you really – when a bull hunter thinks of the rut or rut activity, we're thinking seeking and chasing. chasing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know – when peak breeding comes, you know, what we'll typically say is lockdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's days. sometimes when you can you can basically have some really slow days. Yes. Yeah. I've hunted Very out slow. in Illinois, you know, different times where it's like everything seems perfect. You know, the weather's mm-hmm. good. It, it's cold. You know, it's clear. And, and you're out there and you think, man, there should be deer running around everywhere. And it's like dead, yeah. dead, no, dead, no, you know. Yeah. So that's not yeah, necessarily that's not, yeah. good either. Yeah. And that can can again go to the subjectiveness of it. Brad, the other part of the report with me, had his best three days of archery season in what I would have considered that lockdown period. I wasn't seeing anything. He's seeing five, six bucks. like the time, yeah. Well, sometimes you have to just be near a hot dough. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're near a hot dough, it's pandemonium. And if you're not near a hot dough, it's again, it's absolutely dead. Yes. Um... No, actually, my answer is probably going to surprise you because, yeah, we did talk last night. I do have the standing offer to the Game Commission, and I'm just going to put this out there in case anyone from the Game Commission is I doubled down on his opinion here. I will trade you the first three weeks of October, and you can take that out of the archery season. 
in exchange for one additional week on the back end. Tag so I'm, I'm offering a three for one deal on behalf of all the bow hunters in Pennsylvania. Probably I may get death threats or something. There's probably lots of guys who like hunting. Some people take this the first real three serious, weeks of October. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't like that, you better go to the next game commission meeting because yeah, yeah. that's my, my that's offer. Where it's going. That's where it's you know, going. It's a three for one deal. Yeah. Um, I would be game with that. Definitely. So I'd, be game. I'd, I'd be game for that from the pure, the, 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 the blood sport, not necessarily the blood sport, but the, the deer activities are part of it. For me, though, especially the older I get now, just being able to say, okay, honey, I'm going hunting. Because it's a tradition, because it's something that her family does, my family does, has always done. It's one of those acceptable time frame periods where I can go and every time I want to do it, she's like, okay, yeah, go ahead do it. Because it does have a lot of curative aspects, being able to separate yourself from society for all intents and purposes and reset. Um, so during archery season, whether I'm seeing deer or not, I just like to be out and in the, in the silence and by myself, which if you cut those first two weeks out of that for me, might make me a little bit grouchy at the same time. You know, you're, <laughs> you're looking for that ultimate adrenaline. You're looking for that ultimate, the, 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 what drives you to be in there. And that's an experience with a wild animal. If you can increase the probability of that happening for um, a new hunter or people who are needing of that type of adrenaline to keep them going, yeah, yeah, I'd trade that first two. But but actually, if you had to just pick one week, some of the very best hunting that I've ever seen in Pennsylvania is the last week of October. Yeah, Halloween week, yes. honestly, in yeah. a lot of years, has been better for me than the, even those first two yeah. weeks in, of, of November. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't necessarily say that even in other states. Yeah, I haven't necessarily seen that. But in PA, you know, again, the places where I hunt, and and you, you can almost write it down mm-hmm. that like when I check my cameras that week I'm going to like pull a card and I can't tell you exactly where it's going to be what spot uh, what day yeah. but there's going to be like at some point that week I'm going to look at you know I'm going to get some pictures and I'm going to be like that stinking bugger was standing there at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah. and it's like I just got down <laughs> I'm like what in the world I should have been in that stand yeah, yeah. yeah that's that, so that's actually my answer yeah. to go yeah. back to that question just one week I actually think that the, the Halloween week especially if yeah. the weather's cool you know that is a sl- the sleeper there's, yeah so there's one one day that stands out in our little microcosm of Pennsylvania and that is Halloween day a lot of guys um, you probably put a poll out there on what what day of the year have you shot your biggest buck or harvested your biggest animal. It would probably be Halloween Day would probably be the peak of that um, ebb and flow where majority of a lot of people have said for whatever reason yeah. Halloween Day they just. It's not just which. Pennsylvania either. Yeah. I mean, I've killed deer in Illinois on Halloween. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I've killed them in other other states yeah. as well, but Halloween is definitely, definitely good. It. good. So we're talking about um, the average Joe bow hunter, which I'm kind of an average. I, 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 I'm an average Joe bow hunter in relation to... Uh, I up until last year I bought a bear which was the first bow I'd bought in 17 years I'd shot a Martin for years and years and years. it just worked I never had to do anything with it I mean I would shoot regularly shoot competitively with it but I never had to never felt unconfident with it taking a shot in an animal and I still wouldn't I still have it I'd still take it out but it is nice to flip the switch every now and then but we're average Joe. 17 years, buddy. Yeah, you were overdue. Long. Oh, yeah. You got yeah, yeah. to support the, the industry. Yes. Well, that's uh, right now. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, going into. Uh, my bad's an 04, yeah. so, I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm an average Joe bow hunter. And one thing that I think a lot of average Joe bow hunters don't understand or don't appreciate is the effect that you can have on the deer that you're hunting by 
food plotting, like planting by by really yeah. maintaining and managing the land that you hunt on has a very very relevant impact on the amount of deer that you see. So if you re- are you really serious about continuing the tradition that we're um, taking part in, it's going to get to a point where you want you 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 will have to do that in order to sit the next generation of hunter down and have deer for them to see to motivate them to want to come back out. So I, the average Joe Bow hunter, never planted, never did anything on the property that we hunt on. And a year and a half ago, our relationship with Brother Rodden and Brother Roy almost all my life, but they're starting to want to get into this food plot, land management, seed, seed um, company stuff. And I was like, okay. I want to plant some of my property. Yep. <laughs> so this ties into the beginning of our conversation today. So we clear out this uh, what a half acre, quarter it's acre, about a half acre, yeah, something half like acre. that. I'd say. Cleared all the rocks out of it, did all the stuff like getting ready for to, to plant something legitimate, and they come down through our land and they cut. So they used that little area that we cleared out as a landing, as a landing area for the logs. For the <laughs> so we so couldn't plant. Plan is- <laughs> couldn't plant last year, um, and that kind of it pissed me off. But I was like, man, I'd really like to get something in there because you can plant something that has relevancy to improving your 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 property any time of the year. Almost, I mean, you're not in the dead of winter, but still, we're talking about stuff that we could do if they got those logs off the land. We'll throw this in because by the time we get to this time of year, um, you can throw more on top where you can do whatever you want. The, 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 the soil will be more porous, will be more prepped to be able to uh, plant this year. So this year, all the logs are clear, all ready to go, and Mother Nature. One day on, day off, day on, day off, day on, day off. Where it's this week, you can't run it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm starting to shake a little bit. You can't run the track. You can't. You can't turn dirt over with a tractor in in the field that we're trying to plant just because it's too wet. It's too wet. It's, it's mud. Cold, you, can't, yeah. you can't do nothing with mud. Yeah, <laughs> it's all a vicious circle. Mother nature. We'll get it though. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, yes, guys, it was a good conversation today. Yeah, I've appreciated being able to spend a couple days with you up here, and uh, people definitely want to check out back40seedco.com yeah, check us out. get on Facebook and search up the PA Rut Report yeah. and give them a like yeah. and we also have a website but are we're, we're primarily Facebook driven Instagram driven but find us on Facebook you get the meat of what it is that we provide absolutely yeah. well I wish you guys the very best in turkey season and yeah. uh, with the food plots yeah. hopefully mother nature is more cooperative from here on out and we have a good growing season you know not too much rain yeah. not too little yeah find some mushrooms just yeah, right yeah, find some morels and kill kill a turkey or two and this is a beautiful time of year be primed and ready with some lush food plots come opening day of bow season here in uh i think it actually opens the end of september it does it's an early calendar this year it it starts in september and ends the 10th of november really it hardly ever ends before about the 15th yeah sometimes even as late as the 17th depending on how the calendar falls so yeah well hey guys uh appreciate your time today thanks thanks a lot for having us on here Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.